I said last week that we were going to have a, a, a short three-week walk through what I'm calling kingdom stewards. What does it mean to be a steward of the kingdom of God? As believers in Jesus Christ, we are not only citizens on this earth. We just prayed for those who make policy on this earth. But we're citizens of another world. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. It's a spiritual world that one day will become a physical world upon the second coming of Jesus Christ. But right now, we're building the kingdom by making disciples of Jesus Christ. But since we are His disciples, we are called to be stewards. What does it mean to be a steward? It means God has blessed you with resources, and you're called to use them and use them wisely for His glory and for your good and your joy. So what are we stewards of? Well, three things that in particular that we can think about is our time, our talents, and our treasures. Okay, our time, our talents, our treasures. Those are three things that God gives us. All three of those are gifts, and they are to be used for His glory and for His kingdom. Last week we talked about time. How are we using our time to build the kingdom of God? How do we look at time, and how different should it be in the way that we look at time versus how non-believers should look at time? We said last week everyone acknowledges that time is short. Those who think that time is short but have no hope of eternity are like kids in a candy store trying to fill their lives with as much joy and comfort and pleasure as possible. But for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we know that the greatest joy is yet to come. And so the time that we spend is not necessarily trying to be pleasure seekers, although we enjoy the pleasures of the world that God blesses us with, leisure and sports and vacations. We enjoy those things. But our primary focus is being kingdom builders is growing in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, is encouraging others to grow in that walk as well, and being about the business of the Lord all week long. That was stewardship of time. Now we're moving into stewardship of talents, and we're going to be talking today about using the gifts that God has given us. And can I tell you what a joy it is? Uh, as, as As a pastor and previously as a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, and just a youth pastor... To be able to look at a congregation and say how gifted each church truly is. Because God does not build his church without enabling the saints within that church to have the spiritual gifts to build it brick by brick. And we are a gifted church. And it's exciting to see those gifts. But let me talk about what it, what it means to have a God-given gift. And how we can respond to that in different ways. You know, I... I often use sports as an analogy because sports is the world that I understand. I worked in it professionally before I ever got into the ministry. But in sports, have you ever heard an athlete who's being interviewed and they talk about, well, I just wanted to give my, I just want to take my God-given abilities and do this and do that. And they talk about it in such a way that their God-given abilities were given to them because in some way God just wanted to make them special. It's not for, not for the glory of God. It's for the glory of self. But have you ever seen someone in true humility say, God bless me with a gift and I just want to use it for his glory? That's the, that's the response of a kingdom steward. And I saw this and I noticed this back in 2012 and I wrote it down. I said, one day I'm going to use this as an illustration and today is that day. In 2012, two of the 50 greatest basketball players that ever play in the NBA were elected into the Hall of Fame. And they had two completely different responses to their God-given gifts during their Hall of Fame induction speeches. The two men I'm talking about are Michael Jordan and David Robinson. Now, in the essence of time, I don't have the time to be able to show the videos on the screen. I'd love to because you could see exactly what I'm talking about. If you have time this afternoon or sometime through your week, go on YouTube and just put in uh, Hall of Fame speech, David Robinson, Hall of Fame speech, Michael Jordan. 
Two completely different responses. Let me start with Michael Jordan. I watched the whole video. It was 25 minutes long, and I took notes. All right? What did Michael Jordan say about his God-given gifts during his induction speech? Well, he began by thanking people, but then he only used that, that moment to be a springboard to arrogantly boast about his own competitive nature for more than 20 minutes. He insulted his former high school coaches who cut him his sophomore year. He sulked for Dean Smith not putting him on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was a freshman at UNC. He called out the former owner and general manager of the Bulls and listed all the mistakes they made by not respecting his greatness. He complained that the Hall of Fame raised their ticket prices too high, but then bragged that he still bought tickets for his whole family. He explained that the purpose of his career was to prove to everyone that he deserved everything he had in life. It was 23 minutes that was hard to get through. And I'm someone who loved Michael Jordan growing up. When I say I love Michael Jordan, I mean I'm a card-carrying member of the Michael Jordan fan club. It was an actual club as a kid that I signed up for and got a t-shirt. All right? When that Gatorade commercial came out, I want to be like Mike, they turned that jingle into a song, and I bought the cassette single, and I know anyone under the age of 30 doesn't know what I'm talking about. I had a cassette single in my Sony boombox, and I put that sucker on repeat and and played basketball in my driveway for hours listening to the song, I want to be like Mike. I don't want to be like Mike anymore. Let me tell you what David Robinson's response was. Instead of 25 minutes of bragging, he had a quick seven-minute induction speech. Here's what he said. He thanked everyone who was a part of his journey. He spoke tenderly to his own family. Then he closed by mentioning the story of Luke 17 where the lepers are healed by Jesus, but one of the lepers returns to say thank you. And then as he thanks God for his blessing, he closes with these words, and I quote, God has followed me in my career and has blessed me and strengthened me and encouraged me. And anybody who knows me or has watched me and has seen his hand in my life knows it. And my prayer is that he will walk with you as he has walked with me all throughout my life. Now, I don't know, his fa- I don't know specifics about his faith. I know he's a Christian. He thanked his pastor for being a part of the service there. But I see a man who was gifted by God, but saw the gift that God gave him as a stewardship. It was to be used for the building up of his kingdom. And at the moment where he could have stood up the way that Michael Jordan did, in a moment where he's being enshrined for his own greatness, he didn't take that opportunity to exalt himself. He took that opportunity to exalt God and help build up his kingdom. And that spoke volumes to me back in 2012 when I first saw it. And it's a great way to start our message here today because all of us in this room are uniquely gifted in some way. God has blessed you with a gift that he has not given to anybody else. And you are to enjoy that and celebrate that, that God loves you and he's uniquely created you as you were formed in the womb of your mother. He knitted you and put you together that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And in that way, he's uniquely gifted you. But those gifts are not only for your pleasure and for your joy, but they're for his glory and for his kingdom. That's why we're called to be kingdom stewards. So, having said that, if you have a Bible, please turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. We'll be in chapter 4, and we're going to read just uh, two verses, verses 10 through 11. Again, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. If you would stand out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, inerrant, infallible word, we are in verses 10 through 11 here in 1 Peter 4. 
Hear the word of the Lord starting in verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that everything, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we love You so much. You are such a good and gracious God that You would bless each one in this room with a special gift. Father, you don't need us, but you choose to use us. And you use us with these gifts that you've given us for your good or for your glory and for our good. And so, Father, here this morning, I just pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to receive the truth of this word. That we would would just reflect in our own lives as we walk through the word here this morning of the gifts that you've bestowed upon us and ask ourselves how we're using these gifts to build up your kingdom. Father, be with us and help us to be good stewards of the time, but also good stewards of the talents you've given us. We love you, thank you, and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, amen. This is a great passage in 1 Peter, and as I prayed how I could walk expositorily through a passage word by word and verse by verse. There's several passages in the New Testament that talk about this concept of being gifted by God, and we'll mention a few of them. But I love this particular passage because in just two verses, I believe that we have three ways that we can look at us being uniquely gifted by God and what our response should be to how we're uniquely gifted. Before I go into those three points, I just want to say quickly, uh, give us a background on the, on the book of First Peter. Of course, Peter is written by the Apostle Peter, known as Cephas, the rock, the one that Jesus left in charge of the apostles. And he writes two letters here in the New Testament, but this letter is one that that he writes at a time that addresses issues of daily church life that include suffering and hope and promise and even how to take care of each other as members here in the body. And it's amazing. I've been to so many churches that use the word relevant. They say, we're a church that teaches relevant things. But that book is as relevant today as it has ever been. And as we open up that book, that, the churches in the, in the early part of Jerusalem after Pentecost, when the churches were being established, they had the same problems we have. I mean, they're trying to build things up the way that we are. And they had certain people that were gifted just as we do. And some that were using their gifts to the full extent of their abilities and some that weren't. And so Peter's addressing an issue that's as applicable today as it has ever been. As kingdom stewards, we've been gifted and called to use that gift for the glory of God. And as we look at this passage, there's three things that I want us to consider today about what it means to be uniquely gifted by God. So, as we look back at the passage, the first of those three points that I'd like to share is this. Number one, we are uniquely gifted through the grace of God. Verse 10 says this, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Right off the bat, in that first first sentence, we know that any gift we have is strictly because God is a God of grace. It's not because we did anything for God to say, you deserve the gift that I will now bestow upon you. He gave us these gifts before the foundation of the earth. These gifts are gifts of grace. Now, 
that does not say that we have gifts that do not need to be honed and practice and discipline, that we, need, that we don't need to improve on those gifts. But God gave us those gifts before the foundation of the earth. And sometimes I believe that we work so hard to improve at what we're good at that we can start taking credit for our, to ourselves for what it is that God has given us. I'll give you a perfect example. When I was at Georgia Southern back in the late 90s, one of the first classes I took after I got out of the survey courses was a course in public speaking. I was awful. Putrid. I, I, I burned that tape. I mean, it was just absolutely awful. I could not get a sentence out of my mouth. And I was a broadcasting major. And I wanted to work in professional sports. And so what did I do? I did everything I could as a, a broadcaster. I was the sports director of the student radio station. I used to volunteer and I hosted two sports shows for a Fox Sports affiliate in Hinesville. I used to do a Friday night high school scoreboard show. In fact, I still remember the whole, the whole jingle. The Friday night high school scoreboard show presented by Dr. George Heritage Bank and WSAV Channel 3, only on 104 The Score, and we're talking sports. <laughs> but if I'm not careful... I would say, well, look where I was when I started that class, and I was so awful I couldn't put a full sentence together to eventually working in sports for many years and now in a profession where I'm called to speak publicly all the time, and I could stick my chest out and say, I worked hard. But you know what? Before the foundations of the earth, God said, Bo, I have a responsibility for you, and it's going to include standing in front of other people and speaking, and I'm giving this to you as a, as a gift of grace. It's all God. You know, some of the wealthiest people in this community, I've heard their testimonies. There's a couple of millionaires that love to tell you how they became millionaires. And they will talk about their work ethic. And they will say, I have what I have today because of blood, sweat, and tears. And they may have gone from rags to riches. But you know, even the work ethic that, God, that they have, God gave them. There's nothing that you can brag about apart from God. Everything you have in your life, even your work ethic, is part of God's varied grace. And he gives to us all differently. So, so when I say grace, what do I mean? Well, we talked about this definition several weeks ago, but let me just repeat it. Dallas Willard, the late Christian philosopher, I thought, this, I thought this was a great definition for grace. I've used it many times. He says that grace is God acting in my life to accomplish what I cannot do on my own. Grace is God acting in my life to accomplish what I cannot do on my own. So what does that mean? There's three things that we can understand about God's grace in this context. All right, the first thing we can understand is that grace is God giving you a spiritual gift that you did not earn or deserve. All right, there's nothing that you can do to earn it or deserve it. You can work on getting better at it, okay? But you can't earn or deserve a gift from God. It's grace. God gives it to you because he's a graceful God. But also we need to understand that God's grace is given in different ways to different people. And we need to focus on the grace that God has given us. Sometimes a struggle in the church is we're jealous of the gifts that God's given to somebody else and we forget the awesome gift that God's given us. Or we are under a delusion that God has given us a certain gift that he's just not given us. And we don't need to try to force a, a round peg into a square hole. We need to say, listen, God has not designed you to be able to do this I think you need to focus on doing that. And some of those conversations are very difficult to have in any church. But God has blessed everyone. That's the joy of looking at someone when, when they're trying to do something maybe they're not gifted to do, to say, hey, listen, God may not have gifted you here, but I'm telling you, there's a gift inside of you that is amazing and special and different, and God wants to use this. Focus on this. What is it that God has given you that you can use 
to build up his kingdom. I'm reminded of this passage in Romans 12. I could have preached this passage equally as I preached 1 Peter because they're kind of saying the same things. Peter and Paul are of one spirit as God has inspired this passage. It says in Romans 12, 3 through 8, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, in service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. There's a lot of gifts listed there, and I believe every one of those gifts is represented in this church somewhere. I mean, if you just walk through and kind of look at some of the gifts, we have gifts of service. Some of you are just outstanding at service. Hospitality is a gift that God has given you. For some, it's teaching. For some, it's exhortation, the preaching of the word. For some, it's generosity. God's blessed you financially, and you want to bless this church. Lottie Moon's a perfect example of that. For some, it's just leadership. God's put you in a leadership position professionally because he wants to take those skills and use that leadership position here in the church as well. And then for some, it's just acts of mercy. Some of you are gifted to look into a person's life and see at their moment of, of, of being completely distraught, their moment of pain, their ground zero, and you can speak a word of hope into their life. You can offer the mercy of God to them the way the mercy of God's been offered to you, and you just have that gift. I mean, think in your mind right now of when you're at your lowest moment, there's someone that you call. There's someone that you reach out to. Well, that person probably has the gift of mercy. And God's blessed them with that gift. And they're called to use that gift to build the kingdom up. All these things for God's glory and for our good. And finally, when in talking about grace, I want to say that as God has given you this gift of grace, He will help you use it through grace. He doesn't give you a gift and say, all right, I gave it to you. It's up to you now. I'll talk to you later. I'll check back in at the end of your life to see how well you did with this gift. No, as He gives you the gift... He also works through you through the Holy Spirit in grace to help you to use the gift. Gosh, I, I would fall flat on my face as a preacher if I was to stand behind here and live according to my own gift without the grace of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit does not anoint the preaching of His Word, I'm wasting my time up here. It's the Holy Spirit who anoints the words, and it's the grace of God that brings about that anointing. It all comes from God. None of us can brag before a holy God. Every gift comes from Him. We're called to be stewards. We're called to use these gifts to the very best of our ability. I wrote this down in my time of study. If God gave you an undeserved gift and has agreed to work through you to use this gift to bless others, then you are called to be a steward and to use the gift wisely. There's wonderful blessings but responsibilities of being gifted. So number one, we are uniquely gifted through the grace of God. Number two, we're uniquely gifted to serve the kingdom of God. Listen to the first part of verse 11. It says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Everything is a gift from God, for God. From God, for God. From God, for God. 
and the building up of his kingdom. In this passage, they only use two examples, the gift of speaking and the gift of service. But there's so many other gifts in between. I mentioned many of those out of Romans 12. But we need to understand those gifts, and we need to ask God to show us, how can I use this gift? How can I use this gift to build up God's kingdom? I was talking with our deacons this morning. I've spent a lot of time at seminary trying to come up with a definition of a pastor. Because I have found, and every pastor will tell you, if you do not define your role, there are certain people who will be happy to define that role for you. So we need to understand what the Word says about being a pastor. Well, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 12 say, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for building up the body of Christ. You know what that means? My job primarily as a teacher and preacher of the Word of God is to equip all of you to go and do the work of ministry. It doesn't mean I sit on the sidelines, but it means primarily the bulk of my time is spent studying and praying and asking God to show me where it is that I could best use the skills He's given me to equip others to do the work. Many times in church, and this is not unique to Cedar Street, it's a part of every church I've ever ever been in, when you have a person who is leading somebody else to Christ, they share their faith, they invite them to church, and when they get to that point where they're ready to accept Jesus Christ, what do they do? They call the pastor in. Come on, preacher. It's like, it's like a commission sale or something. Come on and close the sale here. No, I'm equipping you to do it. You know the gospel. You know what God did in your life. You've got a Bible. Open it up and read it, right? And, and, and I need to understand my role as a pastor. Now, trust me when I say this. If, if someone calls me on the phone and says, someone's ready to receive Christ, can you come over for a few minutes? That's the greatest phone call I'll get all week long. I love getting phone calls like that. But the fact of the matter is, as I've tried to understand the calling of a pastor and the gifts that God gives to a pastor, I need to understand how to best use those to build the kingdom. And for me, that is equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. But that's me. What about all of you? Serving, again, is something that all of us do in some capacity, and that's mentioned in this passage. I don't, in the essence of time, I won't go through, but if you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 12, go a little bit farther to talk more about these individual gifts that God has given us, the same as Romans 12. All these gifts, gifts of mercy and gifts of service and gifts of teaching and gifts, I mean, there's so many of them. But, you know, three that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 are gifts of wisdom and knowledge, gifts of, of strong faith, and gifts of discernment. And I'm just going to take a second to talk about those. Have you ever been around someone that just has an ironclad faith? That's a spiritual gift. Men and women of faith who've been unwavering in times of turmoil, who've stood firm in the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and firm on the authority of the Word of God, that's a spiritual gift. And, and I've, I've grown so much by spending time with those people and let them pour into my life and share with me what God has done in their lives. What about discernment? Do you know of people in your life who are, they just have amazing discernment? When, you, when you're trying to make a really, really tough decision and you're praying through that and you're like, I just, I don't know. And, and, and God hasn't come out and just showed you what he wants you to do. But all of a sudden there's someone in the church that doesn't even know your situation. But you start a conversation and all of a sudden they just speak a word of truth into your life. That gift of discernment. What a gift that is. What a gift that is. That it comes from God and that we can use it to build up the kingdom. 
Let me mention a word about uh, the gift of service before we move into our final point. This is really hard. Gift of service can get messy. When you start breaking down how it is that we're called to serve one another, and then you go back to last week about our stewardship of time and where we're volunteering and what we're doing, it's the greatest struggle of every church. This is not a problem unique to Cedar Street. But it's something that we struggle with when we say, am I using my time and my talents to build up the kingdom before I do anything else? Some people don't see themselves as stewards of a kingdom. They see themselves as stewards of their own lives where their primary responsibility is to seek their own glory before the glory of God. And when that happens, the church is greatly, greatly struggling to try to recover from that and find the right people to fill the spots that are missing. You know, I I think part of it is the greatest struggle that we see is that people see service and even church attendance as something that they'll do if nothing else is happening in town. I prayed through this, and these are some hard words, but I need to speak truth. If, if, If serving the kingdom of God with the gifts that God has given you is not a priority, you might start thinking this way. You might start thinking, I'll come to Sunday morning worship only if it's too rainy to play golf or if it's my turn to serve as an usher. I will come to Sunday evening worship only if there's nothing remotely interesting on or a football game on TV. I'll come to Sunday school only if I had a Saturday night where I got into bed before midnight. I will show up to fulfill my role as a volunteer in the nursery or Tiny Tots or Children's Church only if I'm called and reminded and no one else can fill in and I don't have any other commitments on my calendar. Or I'll be at Awana only when no other ball games or dance commitments are on the calendar for my children. Those are heavy words, and I know that they are. And hear me clearly, I am not saying that all the things that I just mentioned are not good things to be enjoyed, right? I love a football game as much as anybody else. My daughter, when she grows up, there's a good chance if I was a betting man, which I'm not, if I was, I'd put money on, she's probably going to be in dance at some day. If I have a son one day, yes, he will be at the rec department, I promise you. (laughs) But if their lives, and I've heard this metaphor used a thousand times, if their lives are like a jar... And the big things in life are like the rocks, and the small things are like the sand, and you've got to put the rocks in before the sand. Those, the first rock going in that jar is going to be God's church. Always going to be God's church. Because whatever gifts my children have been given, they are primarily called to use those gifts to build this church up before they're called to do it on a playing field or a dance floor. That's a responsibility that we're called to. Let me say this. My proudest moment as a youth pastor, I served as a youth pastor of this church for a little over two years, my proudest moment ever as a youth pastor. And some will remember this moment. We were loading up a church van to go to Ski Beach. And Thomas Clyatt and Skylar Smith were sitting right there on the edge. And they said, Pastor, or Brother Bo at the time, I guess. They said, if we go on the ski trip, our baseball coaches told us we can't start our senior seasons. We have to sit on the bench for the first game because we're going to miss practice. And they, and they prayed, you remember this? They prayed and they asked you what to do and they talked to me what to do and I said, you guys are adults, you make your own decisions. But you made a commitment to this church months and months and months ago. And both of them decided to go on the ski trip and both of them had to sit the bench for the first game of their senior seasons. And it was the proudest moment I ever had as a youth pastor. Amen. Amen. I guarantee you, nobody could tell you what the final score was of that game but they could tell you what we did on the ski trip. I remember what we read Philippians that ski trip, and we prayed together that, that New Year's Eve. As the ball dropped at 12 midnight, we were holding hands, praying for God to usher in the new year with us. 
church is the number one priority in your life. And if it's not, then I would, I would recommend that you open up this book and get your priorities in an order that lines up with his word. And that leads us to our third and final point very quickly. Number three, we are uniquely gifted for the glory of God. Listen to the end of verse 11. It says, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Everything is for His glory. And the great thing is, when we live for His glory, God responds by giving us blessings and joy that we could not get when we're living for our own glory. It's just amazing how that's a package deal. You aim for the kingdom of God, you get this world thrown in for free. You aim for this world, you get neither one. It's a a beautiful trade. I'll make it every time. It doesn't mean we're not going to have to make sacrifices like Thomas and Schuyler did that day. But it does mean that we consistently get up every morning and put God first. And And we model that for our children and for our grandchildren. We serve where we can serve We use gifts where we can use gifts. We're called to live for His glory. So whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. We call that DTGG. Does this glorify God? Bringing honor and glory to Him is the primary focus of our lives. And if we do that, everything else will fall in place and we'll use the gifts God's given us in a way that He intends. So that leads us to our conclusion. We are kingdom stewards who've been gifted by God's grace to serve God's kingdom for God's glory. What is your gift and how are you using it for God today? We're kingdom stewards who've been gifted by God's grace to serve God's kingdom for God's glory. What is your gift and how are you using it for God today? Let me give you three suggestions and we'll we'll pray out. First, celebrate that God has given you a unique gift that he hasn't given anybody else. Stop and, and, and just think about that for a minute. That God, he could, he could have done things any way he wanted to, but he decided that as every human being has the, the breath of life in their lungs, they have a unique gift to serve God. And I mentioned many of them. Gifts of hospitality and mercy and teaching and leadership and wisdom and discernment. There's so many different gifts. And yes, we use those gifts vocationally to provide for our families. Those who are good at using their hands, I'm not one of them. All right, we jo- Brother Brian and I joked about this. If there was a church full of Bofull Genetis, we'd have to meet in a tent instead of a church because I can't put a hammer and a nail together. That's just not how I'm wired. But I know what my gifts are, and I know what they're not. On the other hand, if there was a a church full of people who were good with a hammer and a nail but couldn't rightfully handle the word of truth, you'd have a bunch of people sitting in a nice building with nothing to talk about. So God gives gives us gifts in varied amounts of grace. Let's stop looking and being jealous or frustrated at other people's gifts, and let's stop and pray and say, God, what have you gifted me to do, and how can I use this to grow Cedar Street Baptist Church in 2017? How can I use this gift? What areas can I serve? What can I do? to make a difference in the kingdom of God. I promise you, God has an intention for you, for his kingdom and for this church in this year. My second point was just to ask God how you can use that gift in 2017, and I think I just mentioned that. So third, and this is the most tangible thing I'll say all day. It's not the first time you've ever heard this from me or any other preacher. 
choose one ministry in this church outside of just attending Sunday morning worship that you can serve in and commit to it for the next year. That's it. One ministry outside of just coming and hearing the word and going home. One ministry that you can actively participate in for the next 12 months. Make your mind up that you're going to do it and then just do it. If you, if you want to talk and pray about what that could be, I'd be happy to, to pray with you and think through those things. Okay, some have more physical limitations than others, either by age or just lack of gifting. Okay? And so we're going we're gonna to be praying that you would use the gift according to what God has given you. There are some who physically cannot be here, our, our shut-ins, okay, and our seniors who can't be here. And what they can do for us is pray. And that's not a small gift, by the way. Some have been gifted with the gift of intercessory prayer. And if that's your gift, pray for your pastor. Please pray for me and pray for this church. If you're gifted in manual labor, I know that you probably have a busy schedule, but come and let's find out how you can get together with building and grounds and figure out how it is we can use that gift because we need it. Some of you are gifted in finances and and, and good stewards of the money that God has blessed you with. Think about areas that you can invest in the ministries that we're doing as a part of this church. Some of you who love kids. We had to cancel a camp this year because we had not one male chaperone. There's gifts that are not being used. Let's use them for the glory of God. And I promise you this. If you choose that one gift and you dedicate it to the glory of God, you will experience more joy in 2017 than you could have ever experienced had you not used the gift at all. And the reason why is you are uniquely gifted for God's glory. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, this has been a great morning of worship as we open up your word. You are a good God, full of grace, full of truth. And you've given a gift to each and every single one of us. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would give us discernment that your Holy Spirit would show us what it is that you've called us to do, that your Holy Spirit would show us opportunities where we can fulfill this gift and build your kingdom, and that we would experience the joy of playing a small role in all of eternity. Father, I also pray a special prayer for everyone in the sanctuary here this morning. If there be anyone in here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, or someone who years ago may have placed their faith in you but turned away, Let this be a day where we get things right. Let this be a day where we confess with our mouths that Christ is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead to see salvation come to this house. Or there be a day today of recommitment where we say, in 2017, I will follow and trust and obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would do at this moment what only your spirit can do. We love you, thank you, and praise you and offer these words in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen.